Welcome to Voices from the Valley, a podcast of the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region. I'm Amy Spreeman. And I'm Carolyn DeRosier. That audio you just heard was actually from the Fox Valley Symphony at its Brats, Beer, and Beethoven event, a free annual performance. Today, we kick off a two-part series about the importance of the arts in our Fox Valley communities. We'll talk about the symphony and more about the performing arts in part two, but in this episode, we're exploring art you can experience along the streets, in front of buildings, in our parks, paintings, photography, sculptures, even storytelling. Things that make you stop and think or feel something special. You know, Carolyn, some of those pieces have become sort of famous around here. They're famous landmarks that people will recognize and talk about, like uh, the beautiful statue of children dancing joyfully in a fountain over at Appleton City Park, or that statue of a giant head made (laughs) up of smaller heads created from old propane tanks that used to be along College Avenue. Everyone was talking about that one. Then there are the murals in smaller towns. One such project in Calumet County a couple of years ago turned the communities of Chilton and Stockbridge into a showcase of beauty and history. There are so many examples like those, Amy. You know, art has this ability to not only add beauty to our world, but to educate or spark new ideas that we wouldn't have had otherwise. It can inspire us to engage with people we don't know. It even has the power to bridge the gaps between people from different cultures and languages. It truly helps us understand each other and opens doors for us to experience our common humanity in new ways. If we were to share all of the cool pieces that you should have on your must-see list, we'd probably be here for more than two days. So we thought we'd take you on a journey to imagine just a few of them. And since this is a podcast and not a video, you'll get to use your imagination as you meet the artists and the people they influence with some incredible pieces. First, we take you to a middle school in Appleton, right in the middle of Herb Park neighborhood, where one artist is changing the face of Kaleidoscope Academy, one of Appleton's charter schools, into a giant message of belonging for all. The artist's name is Irineo Medina, or Neo, and if you've ever strolled along College Avenue in downtown Appleton, you've no doubt seen some of his poignant and colorful murals inspiring hope. Neo says he has a lot of help from the young people he serves with his art. Including them in his projects, he says, gives them a sense of pride in their community. It is truly beauty with a purpose. And over at Kaleidoscope, that purpose is bringing the neighborhood together in awe. Uh, this is our walking route. So I live right, right down the street off on the corner of Circle and Union. I do live on Drew Street. I live right across from Kaleidoscope Academy, and I have watched uh, the mural be uh, taken place since the beginning. Um, it's just really nice to have in the community, and it, I can see it from my office, so it's beauty that I can see every day. It is just awesome to watch it um, come to life. I'm really happy they did this. It's just beautiful. You know, uh, this is just a really wonderful creative process that they've been in, and I think the artist is phenomenal, so... You know, I know that everybody walking by, I see a lot of people looking at it, and I think they are very much enjoying the creativeness and the artistry that's put into this and the effort and the work. I mean, I've always been interested in art since I was a kid, and drawing was always a way for me to get through class. I got um, sometimes pretty bad ADHD, so, you know, drawing helped me keep focused by staying busy with my hands. 
And so then art just kind of grew. And as I became a young adult, art also was a way to escape some of the things that were going on in my own life because I could just get lost for hours. And then um, I don't have to put my mind on anything that's traumatic or stressful going on at that time. Believe it or not, it's really hard to just be an artist because there's nobody like hiring a painter or a, a printmaker. And so I had to kind of come up with my own ideas. And so through college... I got to work with a cool program in Sheboygan. The John Michael Coyle Art Center brought in um, some internationally known artists and then community members just got to paint with them. And so I got to know a couple artists and um, some of those conversations really changed the trajectory of my life and also inspired me to want to do art on a much bigger scale. Um, and then art being that vehicle that saved my life, I just wanted to work with youth, I think, who struggle in the same ways I did. Not that art's going to you know, save everybody, but maybe along the way there's a couple kids who feel impacted or affected. And the thing is, is like when you change somebody's trajectory, you can shift an entire generation in the way that uh, mine has. And so I'm trying to give that back as much as possible and when we have these murals that we're creating with youth and we're building a platform for them to stand on and then celebrating them it's like our own little renaissance one wall at a time where they are the power and they are the thing that is determining how we should be thinking um, and how we should be interacting and so it feels like this little corner of the world we're doing some good to paint a mural it meant to be part of it and it was fun Alex Motter, the principal there, reached out to me last year and wanted to build something. And so they're summer school kids and their um, Boys and Girls Club kids who are at that site uh, have been coming out and painting with me every day from 1230 to 3.30. So we've been in the heat together. Being able to participate in the creation of this mural, it was like just like bringing together an entire like community, a bunch of students and community members to work on something so special. And being able to see it almost every day because I'm still going to the school, I just like being able to think like, hey, I helped out with that. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. You know, I think, I hope that they've had a good time. Although it's been hot, we still get to, um, you know, put some paint on the wall. And I, this process for Kaleidoscope has been kind of a messy one, which is always fun for kids, you know. But also it's just something that they'll have lasting for forever that they've been a part of. Um, it was really fun because it's cool to be part of something that's pretty big and will be here for a really long time. Without the community, we, we can't make it happen. It, you know, it, it takes a village, and that couldn't be more true. The, the cool part is, is we try to invite the funders or the contributors to come out and paint with the kids so they can experience firsthand where, where that's going. And that's a good sticking point because it's not an experience that a lot of people get to have. I think the coolest is, um, you know, my kids being able to see it. My daughter, my daughter thinks I've painted every wall. No, I haven't, but, you know, it's really cool. It's just, it's a positive impact I've made on our landscape with the help of our community. And it's, you know, each wall has special memories. Um, and so, you know, it grows and grows and everyone holds a special spot in my heart. Yeah.
I'm Kurt Dachin, President and CEO of the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region. Our community of caring donors, nonprofits, and volunteers work together to make this a place where all can flourish. Your Community Foundation is a reflection of this spirit. In 2022, more than $40 million in grants were given to nonprofits to drive their missions. I offer my sincere thanks to each of you for your strong support of our community and our unique mission to make it better. Learn more at cffoxvalley.org. A region with a vibrant arts community is a great place to live, work, and play. My name is Joanne Mariahazi, and I'm an Appleton artist. Many generous individuals have set up funds at the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region to support arts organizations, including photography, music, art shows, programs for kids and seniors, and more. You can set up a fund and support the arts or whatever cause you're passionate about. Learn more at cffoxvalley.org. We have music lessons here. We teach all different instruments, but our focus is really piano, guitar, drum, and bass. When kids start out young feeling like they can have another identity, that's going to carry them through middle school when they aren't really sure who they are. They're always going to know, well, I'm a musician, and I have friends at the hub even if I don't have friends at school. And we try to make it a very inclusive environment. There's no hierarchy here. Everybody's together doing the same thing. Yep, and having fun and creating. Welcome back. Did you know that communities dedicated to fostering a love of the arts can stimulate innovative thinking, recruit and retain residents, drive tourism, and create an economic engine? Well, as you just heard, that is exactly what's happening in Wapaka. That audio was from the Wapaka Art Story we did last year. I loved that episode. When our regional affiliate partner, the Wapaka Area Community Foundation, awarded a $25,000 grant to expand the Wapaka Community Arts Hub by building staff capacity, increasing outreach programs, and adding equipment. And now artists from all over recognize Wapaka's vibe, which can be seen and felt along the streets and parks. Yes, and now we want to take you to another community, Nina, where a museum is known all over the world as one of the hot spots, and you'll have to pardon my pun, for glass making. It takes a lot of heat to make glass art from sand. Glass blowing is a unique method of creating beautiful translucent pieces. And at the Bergstrom Mahler Museum of Art, they're bringing a portable glass blowing furnace to folks who might never otherwise get to see such a spectacle. Well, I am here with Amy Moorfield, Executive Director of the Bergstrom Mahler Museum of Glass. Welcome, Amy. Thank you, Amy. I'm two <laughs> Amys today. Um, so for people who maybe are new to the area, how can we find you? Where are you? And what do people see when they come in the doors? Um, when you come to Nina, we are located near Kimberly Point. We're on Park Avenue. Yes. Um, it is a little deceptive when you come to see us because it's, it looks like a very large house from the front. Uh, but it is it indeed was the home of Evangelina John Nelson Bergstrom, and it's had three renovations done to it, so to make it a museum. Yeah, uh, we have you know beautiful lawn in the backyard with a view of Lake Winnebago. So we're right across from a children's park, Riverside Park. 
Uh, so it's a, it's a great place to be. We uh, called that the Rocket Park when we were kids. Yeah, yeah. I'm learning about that, <laughs> the Rocket Park. So um, we, I find it a very advantageous location yes. for us because there's something surprising, you know, like in the, the Secret Garden book that you go around this corner and you find this oasis and this wonderful place. And it's kind of similar when you encounter Bergstrom Mahler Museum of Glass. It's not like any other museum that I've been to. I, I remember a few years ago, the first time I walked through the doors. Yeah. You are walking into mm-hmm. a home, a house, and so so you don't know what to expect, but it is a very interesting experience to come in. And you're right, around every corner there's something new. Yeah, so you bring up a great point. I, our current task is how do we make people feel welcome? Because it can be... Uh, a little intimidating when you're coming up to a very large home and you're in in an affluent area and you may feel like it's not for you. And it does, you know, manners that you would have in a home, like how does that translate to coming into a glass museum and there's breakable things Mm -hmm. in this sort of storied environment. Um, And so the the fun job for us is is being welcoming and open and friendly and making people feel that this is a space for them. Um, and into our, the, our charter and founding documents by Evangeline Bergstrom, we're admission free, and we've been so since 1959. It's very important to us. Yeah, that is important. And, and your museum has a definite mission. Um, you have a mission that centers around including all people mm-hmm. uh, to incorporate art into their lives and uh, to be able to provide artistic experiences for everyone in the community. So that's really neat. Um, give some examples about how, you, how are you doing this and why is that so important to you? Everything we do is focusing on how do we embrace community that um, are our long-term um, guests that have been to the museum, their parents, their grandparents, they took classes when they were a kid, and um, really trying very hard to welcome new constituencies to what we do. And when you talk about enjoying these glass pieces for mm-hmm. all, this includes small children. Absolutely. Uh, you're not worried about breakage or anything like that. You bring nope. them in, and uh, there's actually educational programs and camps that they can join. Absolutely. I mean, the onus is on the museum and its staff to keep its collections safe sure. and friendly and warm, uh, its galleries for community. But I've been told by young families that we're one of the friendliest museums in the community for children. We have scavenger hunts of all ages. And I was helping a little girl who I think she was four named Leah yesterday. She was looking for the Germanic vessel that had the little painted fly at the bottom of it. She could find it on the tour. And we give a little present once they go through and they find them in the galleries. But we really do everything we do. We have programmings for, I say, learners of all ages, from the very young to those, including people that are affected by Alzheimer's and dementia. We work yeah. on a SPARK program with many other museums um, and provide that for, for the, that group as well. I, I want to go back to talking about why art is such an important element in our society and our cultures yeah. and for our mental health. Uh, you know, we had, we've just uh, recently, not too long ago, come out of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, and it seems like um, the arts is where it's the first thing people cut from uh, spending budgets. So mm-hmm. we've seen that happen in government programs, spending things, all the way down to people individually making choices for their families. Maybe they want to cut out something and, uh, you know, they think maybe let's cut out art events as part of our own budget choices. So talk to us a little bit about that. And are we seeing that turn around? Are we seeing people spend more or governments spend more on the arts and, and that's becoming more important now? 
Well, arts and culture promotes the connection of all other types of learning. It creates a kind of a mental condition called flow, where it actually, when you're making a work of art, it opens all your synapses in your brain to be able to think broadly. Um, We are very lucky to have wonderful generosity from donors and collectors from this community, but also the glass community further abroad. I will say that it's, it, it, during COVID, um, foundations and grants, organizations, et cetera, were deeply generous. Yeah, and, and we've been a, a strong supporter of you the arts, have. Yeah, including your museum, yeah. absolutely, um, because those grants come from donors who love what you're doing right. and feel that art is hugely important to connect this community. So, yeah. And your museum is free of charge. I, I love is. that. Yeah. And how important is, again, your you know the community's generosity to keeping things operating at Bergstrom Mahler? Well, it's, it's deeply important to us. You know, generosity fuels all we do. Um, we are a nonprofit. We're not raising funds or, you know, intending to, to increase our bottom line. We're focusing on programs for our community. Um, one of the other deep moments of generosity is it allowed us to buy a new piece of equipment for the museum. And um, Yes, I want to ask you oh, about yeah. that. Uh, you've named this piece of equipment, mm-hmm. I, and its name is Ray. What is, what is Ray? Who is Ray? So Ray is named after the generosity of a donor who um, loved the museum. Um, and named after Raymond Smith. It's just a great story. So we teach all different types of glass making at the museum, but one we didn't have the ability to do was blowing glass. And my studio manager came into my office probably close to two years ago, right after I started, and she said, I just had this great conversation with this paperweight artist. Um, it's, It's funny that we showed paperweights, but we really didn't have a way of making them. And she said, this, you know, this artist said that we really should get this mobile furnace called a mini dragon. So it can blow up to 15 pounds of glass at any time. It's got, it's this really cool looking um, creation. It's got these all-terrain tires on it. So we can take it out in the community. We can do demonstrations with it. And we can make paperweights, ornaments, pumpkins, and and orbs, and all sorts of wonderful things with, with the community. And she said, I think this would be really important for us to have. And I said, okay, we'll put it on the wish list and we'll, we'll start working on a, a, a program for it. And then the next day I got a phone call from the, the Community Foundation. And they said, there's a donor who's really interested in working with you. Can you pitch us an idea on the phone? Right then and there. Yeah. Oh. They got this amount of money to work with. And I said, well, actually, I, uh, the studio manager talked to me yesterday. And we really would love to have a mini dragon. And so the, we then heard shortly thereafter that we received that wonderful generosity from the donor via the Community Foundation. We talked to the people that build these mini dragons down in Georgia, and they also provided in-kind support so we could get a couple other things that we needed, and um, including shipping. So they gave us about 1,700 of in-kind, wow. which was wonderful. Yes. But then it continues on, and then we started talking and telling our story about this wonderful um, new way of engaging with community through Ray or Mini Dragon. And we had other foundations and groups provide funding for tools because it takes special tools. And Ray, our dragon, eats certain glass, you know, <laughs> melts certain glass. So it really created this wonderful kind of snowball effect of giving and generosity. And then, of course, we have started teaching classes. They're constantly sold out and full. We've taken Ray out into the community, to the plaza, and to the library. 
um, Boys and Girls Club and all these wonderful places around and about um, to do demonstrations and show people how to make this type of work in glass. It's really cool to be in front of a, a furnace that is burning at 2,000 degrees. Um, it's definitely present when you and I've blown glass with it too. But it, you feel so good that you're able to accomplish this thing that you you know people don't normally think about being able to do yeah and, and they they turn out so beautiful they do and it and, you know you're making something you're seeing the whole scientific process of glass being melted going to liquid and then annealing it so it's cooled and you have this wonderful special object that you really had ownership over making amy thank you so much oh, for joining us you. we really appreciate you it's a and likewise it's been a, a, an absolute pleasure um we're honored to have this museum and share with the community and with the community foundation By the way, the cost of that portable furnace named Ray was covered by a grant from our Community Vision Fund. You know, we here at the Community Foundation are pretty passionate about bringing the arts to everyone. Yes, we are. And we are doing our part here by helping to support artists and projects in the Fox Valley, yes, but by also using our own building here to bring the arts to our many visitors, the donors who have funds here, uh, the nonprofit partners, and the community leaders who come through our doors, because we really want to elevate the importance of supporting local art as a community. Yes, Amy, it's um, something I'm really proud of that we've done at the Community Foundation. Not only did the foundation purchase original art to display permanently in our office space from local artists like John Ray Brinkman, mm -hmm. Leonard Nagler, and Willow Beyer, we also transformed one of our empty walls in our lobby into a rotating art display. So we have local artists featured there, and they change out every few months. We've already had so many different forms of art, including textiles, photography, painting, and collage, so it's been really cool to see. You know, if you're listening to this and you're a Fox Valley artist interested in displaying your work at the foundation, you can check out the local art showcase link in our show notes for this episode. And um, just come visit the office and see the art if you want to appreciate it. Um, most yeah. days we have um, local art on the wall. It is really incredible. Yeah, open to all. Well, finally, in this episode, art that you can hear. A local artist named Stacy Parrish is using her voice and her platform to elevate the voices of women who have reached a certain age. And she captures their stories of what the Fox Valley was like for them long before many of us were born. There's a connection that happens through the arts, and it's a, it's a really primal urge to create. Like, that's just in us from birth. My name is Stacy Parrish. I am a working artist. I've been living in the Valley since 2009, and I'm able to say that I'm a working artist now, um, but back in 2016, that's when I, that's the first time I even began calling myself an artist. My passion is to make the creative process accessible to people as a means of healing and, and as a means of being well, staying well. It's really, it's been proven that the, the same brain activity that lights up during meditation lights up during the creative process. So it's just good for us. I have been teaching brain and body movement classes to seniors for about a decade. And I have this group that I meet with and 
we weren't able to meet during the pandemic, but after we got together and we had a luncheon and I led them through a, an exercise called Six Word Memoirs. And what they did was amazing. The things that they wrote were amazing. And because I have an audio background, I brought my audio equipment with me and recorded their voices. And after listening back to their voices, there is nothing more textured and individual other than a fingerprint than the voice. And so that's what inspired me to want to do an entire series highlighting and empowering the voices of elder women. One night I had a lady come in in labor, and when it was time, I called the doctor, and pretty soon two little feet came out. And they, they were nice and pink, but they started getting blue. And I thought, where is the doctor? And I thought, do I have to deliver this baby? My kneecaps shook just like... My project is the Sages podcast series, and I am collecting stories through different events that I'm hosting and um, co-hosting with story catchers um, around the community. Welcome to Full Spirals, a podcast about how life can take you for a spin, but still leave you grounded. Stories of hope and healing through the arts and the many ways creativity can lead you right back to yourself. I'm Stacy Parrish. So my original podcast is Full Spirals, and that is a podcast about hope and healing through the arts. It was created based on the way the arts have helped me heal through my life, and I tell those stories in my first season. So my second season is called Project I'm Speaking, and it amplifies the voices of women who have found their voices and who have used the arts as a tool to get there. My third season is going to be the Sages series where, and I'm so excited about it because I love the idea of amplifying the voices of women. I love the idea of amplifying the voices of elder women even more because they don't know that their stories are important. Our third season of Full Spirals is slated to debut this fall. And as we keep spinning towards it, I find myself moved to share a sneak peek with you of what's to come. Season three promises to be our most impactful and most profound season to date, because this season we'll be featuring the voices of elder women, the voices of sages. The project was inspired. Um, I just lost one of my sages. And she was actually the inspiration for the project. Um, her name was Elaine. She was from New Jersey, and she danced on American Bandstand. And I always wanted to capture her story, and I didn't get a chance to. And everyone is a, a multitude of stories. We just well, One thing that I have found really interesting is that this population in particular, I think women in general, but this population in particular, when I first started the story circle, they didn't even know what I was doing. Like, why would they tell their stories? Why would they step forward? Why would they? And it's just been this really beautiful unfolding as the story circles have gone on of them kind of sitting up straighter and, and owning their stories. And that, you know, everyday things that happen, like that is the good stuff. Nothing gets to the heart of humanity, like the vulnerability it takes to create something. I just love creating spaces where people can come in, be vulnerable, be human, create something in a safe environment. And the connection that happens among that group is profound. 
We are going to wrap up this first of our two-part series on local artists and their work, and next time we are going to showcase some of the performing arts that are enriching our community and impacting lives. You can find all those resources in our show notes for this episode by going to cffoxvalley.org podcasts. There, you can subscribe and get all of our episodes delivered to you wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time on Voices from the Valley, a podcast of the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region. Mm-hmm.